there's been a major signing this week. Oh, what was that? They have. United have signed Bulova as a new sponsor. They'll become the club's official timekeeper. Um, actually, United did announce a signing this week, a very exciting young teenage prospect from Ireland whose name escapes me at the moment, but I saw some people being a bit snarky about that, but this is there's nothing at all wrong with United signing promising teenagers. It's it, what builds the future of the club. Yep, new watch manufacturers signed. Do you know anything about them, Ed? As a watch connoisseur, as I'm sure you might be. I have absolutely no idea. But reading the press release, which was released to the New York Stock Exchange, as all fine announcements are doing, including United's fact that they're on Ren Ren and Tencent and uh, Instagram and all variety of other major social platforms. No, uh, they were established in the United States in 1875. They're a world leader in the manufacturing of timepieces and clocks, apparently. I'm well out of this world. I just use my phone. Uh, or sometimes I look at the sun. Yeah, to guess what time it is. The Sun newspaper, of course, ran with the story talking of Manchester United's social networking presence. They ran with the story some time ago that the announcement of Cristiano Ronaldo's signature for Manchester United would happen on August the 8th. But no, no, they just uh, read the memo wrong. And what was announced on August the 8th was Manchester United's official Instagram and perhaps most significantly Google Plus. Manchester United on Google Plus so that if you're a Google employee and want to interact with Manchester United you can. Yeah, no one else does. Apparently the Belova timepieces were used on Apollo 11, first moon landing. <laughs> Which frankly, given that we know this was made in a studio, is about as believable as United signing Meza Ozil, which was in the papers today. It's um, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? The the, the transfer situation. I guess bef- before we get back, we before we look at actual football and the Community Shield, should we jump into a bit of transfer talk? Oh, we love it. <laughs> it's no no frustration there. None at all. at all. I mean, it's kind of gone a little bit quiet this week, except that David Moyes said. He was getting closer to making a signing. The idea that we was we were doing a double swoop for Fellaini and Baines ran on the back page of the um, Guardian, and then Luka Modric talk has started up all over again. Now there's a transfer signing I would get ridiculously excited about, but again, doesn't seem to be fully on the cards. No, well, look, who knows where all of this is coming from. I suspect it's mainly newspapers needing to fill column inches and uh, and United needing a midfielder. And and there you go. Two and two makes an awful lot of speculation. Of course, Modric and Fellaini and Fabregas and Alicantara and Ozil are all completely different kinds of players, you know. And, And this is kind of the point I've been making several times. Shouldn't they be on the same sort of ballpark? You know, Fabregas and Fellaini aren't even the same sport, let alone in the ballpark. Yeah, I mean, I think that's understandable, but then the the slight flip side of that is we do have a variety of different needs in our midfield. You know, the 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 midfield needs are not necessarily as simple as we need one particular type of player. Oh yeah. But we had a question asking what United need more in the mid middle of the park is steel or style. The question on exactly the point that you've just made that we do seem to be in for very different types of players. I mean, I I think the answer is we definitely need a bit of both, right? Mm. Well, look, if if Moyes is going to set up in, in his kind of normal formation, which he did at Everton quite a lot, which which was pretty much the same as, as Alex played last season, which is effectively two holding players and then three in front of them and a, and a target man, then United probably do need a ball player to complement Cleverly in the centre of the park because Cleverly's gone on and off the boil, not always fit. Anderson is never fit. Uh, Darren Fletcher is never fit. So a passing player is needed. But I, I think the several games last season where United... Uh, were out muscled so you know a bit of evilness in there would would help too so 
For me, it's it's two players, but of course, you know that's a, that's you know worse than idle speculation. That's just hope, and it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? Because uh, right now, it doesn't look like anything's going to come off. Cristiano Ronaldo got everybody overexcited by being rumoured to be in Manchester earlier in the week. Two days after Antonio Valencia handed in the number seven shirt, and that happened just before the kickoff of the Community Shield. So I guess we should talk about that because it was a football match that happened, and United were very functional. You were there, Ed. What was what was it like? Very muted and very flat. Yeah, not not a fantastic performance from United. Not a, a poor one either. It was uh, just kind of flat on the pitch and very flat off it. Uh, there were about three Wigan fans, uh, as normal, I suppose, down in the corner, and, and the rest of the ground was filled with the United fans. I mean, it was amazing, really. Eighty thousand people there, and and you'd guess that about ninety percent of that was United fans. And officially sold forty-seven thousand tickets. It looked like an awful lot more. But when there's nothing to really cheer about not I don't just mean you know the goals because United won clearly but when there's no rival supporters there to build the help build the atmosphere and there's no real tension because there certainly wasn't any tension in the game then everything felt a bit flat and one of the most pathetic Mexican waves I've ever seen sparked up by a bunch of very willing school kids I have to say at Big Shimmery Wall called that a Mexican wave which a piece of genius yeah absolutely Uh, talking of pieces of genius that first goal Oh, somebody pointing out on, I think the Football Ramble podcast, actually, that Robin Van Persie, everyone sort of forgets about him during the summer because he's just not an off-field guy, you know, he he doesn't get into headlines for off-the-field stuff anymore in his life. And he just announced himself like, oh yeah, you all seem to be talking about signings in and out, talking about Wayne Rooney, all this kind of stuff. Just scored two goals, the first of which was an absolute peach. It really was absolutely beautiful header. I mean, it gets better every time you look at it. Actually, real time looked uh, pretty simple, but of course, it, you know, far from that. Yeah, really fine goal. He was really happy about it as well. And it set up the perfect platform for United. I mean, what was that, six or seven minutes in and, and there was no real challenge from there. I mean, Wigan had a, a nice little spell at the beginning of the second half when they kept the ball pretty well. But I, I think David Hare was a spectator throughout. Did he actually make a save? If he did, it, it wasn't a serious one. And, and by the same token, United didn't create loads and loads of chances, did they? I mean, good good shot from Welbeck and then eventually the second goal came. But you never really felt as if the result was at risk. No, few positives for United. I mean... Zaha, wow, I'm so excited. I am so excited about the way he plays the game because there'll definitely be little bits of frustration and stuff. But honestly, if you're if you're more frustrated than excited by a prospect like Zaha, I'm, I'm a bit confused about that because there seem to be an awful lot of end product involved as well. Mm. I think he could do releasing the ball quicker. So he, he got it and he's got very quick feet. So he's, he's you know, what you'd expect of a young player, right? He's direct and he's, uh, he's skillful and he's looking to attack the fullback and it didn't always come off and, and sometimes it did. And I thought as the game went on, he lost a bit of confidence and started cu- cutting back. And actually, he could have done with playing some one touch football, opening the space out or, or playing the first time cross. So he'll learn that one. But yeah, retention of the ball for just a little bit too long. And I, I think he's, he's smart enough to, to learn that he's got to move and uh, act a little bit quicker at this level and I think that will definitely come because it is a huge step up and it's also a huge step up in terms of the types of players that you're playing with so you can give the ball to them in slightly more challenging situations than you can you don't need to do quite as much as quite as much yourself as you needed to do when he was as he needed to do at Crystal Palace I mean, you know, one thing that was really evident is that they were doubling and tripling up on him. And if he can get the ball out of his feet quicker to another player, that's going to create an awful lot of space for other fantastic players that United have. Because you can't triple up on a Man United player and get away with it, really, can you? 
I mean, look, there were some other positives. Uh, Michael Carrick had a decent game in midfield, um, man of the match. I mean, I suppose, you know, United controlled the ball in there for the most part. And Robin Van Persie did score twice. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I might have given my man of the match elsewhere. All, all Man United Man of the Match uh, awards are rendered null and void as long as Man United keep insisting that the most retweeted player from at Man United's official Twitter account uh, gets given the Man of the Match award. Oh dear. Oh it's dear. awful. Most retweet. I mean, it's, oh, it's like 14-year-old girls and boys. Um, this is not gender-specific, but, you know, the, their whole kind of obsessive Instagram, so love me, love me, love me social networking. And this is me talking somebody who tweets far too much yes you do yeah love me love me at utd rancast <laughs> so look other positives patrice ever had a good game i thought uh, look you know like he had a very good season last season and there's no reason to think he won't have another good season this season yes he's he's uh, aging a bit but physically he's in in great shape he had a good summer off and kind of I think a bit redundant all this talk of bringing Baines in. Uh, I can totally understand, sorry I'm going off track here of course, but I can totally understand why you might look to Baines. He's alright as a defender but he put in more than 100 crosses uh, during the season last season so as an attacking outlet he's outstanding but you know Patrice Ever isn't that far off in terms of the attacking quality and I thought he had a good game and, and basically across the back four they weren't under an awful lot of pressure. Uh, real shame about Raphael of course it looks like he's out for a month or so but Smalling had a solid game and Jones uh, from right back had a decent game too. Yeah, really unfortunate the injury to Raphael. That's the last thing that we wanted, given how he seemed to have really got over that injury proneness last season. And that, that was obviously what predicated Jones playing at right back. It was really unfortunate, that whole thing, because one of the things that was so exciting was seeing Moyes selecting Jones at centre-back, because I think that's something that most United fans would like to see a lot more of. And so then that he had to, to play at right back was kind of unfortunate. Yes, and, and I guess we'll come on to the Swansea game, but it'll be interesting to see who gets the nod at right back because I suppose Jones and Smalling and Fabio will all be in contention for that one. Nod to Adnan Janazai, who came on for a, a short period of time near the end. And nice to see him playing in his first competitive fixture for United. Do we count this as a competitive fixture? I mean, it's counted on competitive fixture stats, but it definitely, definitely doesn't count as a trophy in as in meaningful trophy counts. Uh, Janazai, we, we didn't really talk about the Rio testimonial, but it was a pretty lacklustre performance from a very makeshift United eleven. It was a bit of a shame for Rio, really, because given he's one of those players that's completely obsessed with winning, um, it's quite sad that they got completely battered in, in that testimonial. But the one real bright spark was a magnificent performance from Adnan Yanazai. And you said on the pod last week that you think, you know, he's still a bit slight, maybe not quite ready. I, I having seen him play, you know, against proper teams well sort of proper teams twice in the space of a week I don't think physicality is too much of a problem because he's heck of a wiry lad and they were trying to sort of muscle him off the ball quite a lot and it, it just didn't work you know the ball sticks to his feet and he got round players and, and kept his feet and crucial in, in, in setting up the goal for Valencia in Ferdinand's testimonial Valencia who was wearing the number 7 shirt in that testimonial but not wearing it at the community shield so a lot's been made of this of course the conspiracy theory instantly started that this was because we were about to re-sign Cristiano Ronaldo but Man United very quick to use their newly enhanced social media presence to say that Valencia had actually requested the change in shirt number 
Yeah, and I'm not sure I like this because I, I guess he's uh, wanting to hark back to when he was in good form because the uh, season before last, he had a very, very good season, didn't he? Uh, wearing the number 25 shirt, got the, 25, uh, got the 7 shirt and didn't have a good season. So there's an element of superstition. But there's also this element of the numbers weighing on him and the expectations weighing on him. And uh, that doesn't feel very good to me. That feels like he's a, a player who lacks uh, quite a bit of confidence in himself. And um, I'd have been tempted if I was Moyes to say, no, hang on. Uh, Alex Ferguson had the faith uh, in you to give you that shirt number you should honour it and go out and show that you're as good as those other number sevens throughout the ages but there you go I mean it's not a really big deal is it but uh, I guess it says something about his state of mind yeah, Trisha asked what I, I thought of this in particular, being a person that works with people on confidence issues all the time. I mean, your approach of saying, no, you are good enough is, is definitely one theory. But the other theory is, well, OK, if it really was weighing on him, you don't lose anything by letting him wear the number 25. He's obviously going through a lot at the moment, Valencia, you know, suffered a massive bereavement, had that horrendous season last season and apparently asked for the number seven shirt, which is kind of interesting twist on on the whole thing. I I mean, inarguably, from a kind of completely objective perspective, it it doesn't matter what number you're wearing if you're completely rationalist about this. But we don't live in a, a universe which is predicated on particularly rational ideals. The human experience is not a fundamentally rational one. The predecessor in the number seven shirt was Michael Owen if anything should be reducing the amount of pressure associated with that number it's the fact that Michael Owen sat on the bench with it for five years previously or three years previously or whatever but I think ultimately if it's important to the player it doesn't really matter that much I kind of understand the argument that says, well, it it indicates a bit of mental weakness. But on the other hand, it might just indicate a really good level of self-awareness, which is this is the kind of player I want to be. I want to be a player who doesn't have the whole expectations of iconography on their back all the time. I want to be a player that's allowed to get away with a little more because I need to be because I'm not Eric Cantona. Two good, solid arguments there. You know, I, I still think he probably could have done with a you know, pat on the shoulder and saying, look, you're good enough, mate. But he won't be wearing it. Let's hope he finds some confidence from that or the lifting of the burden of the number seven shirt. It helps him in some way. Of course, it, it does not mean that Ronaldo is coming back. Forget it. <laughs> Any other key points from the Community Shield? Uh, a decent platform on which to build, I think. Uh, n- certainly nothing spectacular from United. And there's nothing in that that tells me that United are about to blow away the Premier League. But again, nothing that really said it's going to be a disastrous season. At least there was a clean sheet, which hasn't happened very often through the pre-season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of interesting that the first time United are sort of required to step up to any level, they managed to keep a clean sheet. And you could say it's only against Wigan, but Wigan are an awful lot better than the teams we haven't been keeping a clean sheet against. Rooney not even at Wembley, apparently. And it did look for a little while like we might be without a number seven, a number nine and a number 10 at Man United. But the club have been extremely forthright about saying that no, Wayne Rooney is not for sale at any price whatsoever to Chelsea. Yes, using the Guardian as the conduit here to to say uh, they're drawing a line in the sand and they will not be giving in to player power on this occasion. And uh, look, I can totally understand and respect this position. So the position is that if you strengthen your major rival, probably the major rival for the Premier League title, then you could very well have the Arsenal effect. Look what happened when they sold Robin Van Persie to United. This is a key moment and it would effectively be handing over some power to Chelsea. And, and United don't want to be that weak. 
I think they would shift him if PSG came in with a, a £40 million bid or so, uh, of course. And, you know, and no one actually wants to give in to player power. But the fact is, having Wayne Rooney moping around on the pitch does no one any good. Having him, having him moping around in the dressing room is potentially pretty disruptive. So, you know, I, I understand the argument of uh, wanting to look strong and uh, it being apparently a point of principle with the Glazers. Uh, interesting to hear they have some principles, um, apart from let's make money and lots of it. Interesting, there's some parallels to Liverpool here. Liverpool have done a very similar thing and told uh, Luis Suarez that he will not be leaving. And this week he came out with a statement and said, the fans have convinced him to stay. Oh, man. Uh, And if you believe that, well, you're a scouser. (laughs) Yeah, Rooney, uh, an extraordinary article in the Daily Mail, ghostwritten by Neil Ashton, but apparently just written word for word by Paul Stretford talking about poor old Wayne Rooney and how incredibly sad he is. And I, I think, once again Rooney's camp's attempts at PR have just drastically backfired because all that does is cement the idea of him as a kind of spoiled prima donna you know I I think in 2010 they lost the media war so dramatically to Alex Ferguson and and they're losing it again now and I I guess I'm a little biased in seeing it that way but it definitely seems to be the case that they're not very good at swaying the tide of public opinion and the most extraordinary thing about that article was that Neil Ashton described Wayne Rooney as having one of the best first touches in the world yes his first touch is so good i can't pass it as far uh, to bastardizer george best comment yeah uh, ridiculous i mean it was a press release from stretford's office director neil ashton you know thank you very much uh, do pass go do collect your dollars <laughs> i don't feel the slightest bit sorry for wayne rooney there's part of me that feels a bit sick about him hanging around at old trafford for another year or more frankly um i i want him to actually show some commitment otherwise i don't want him there at all and and he's shown no commitment for the past three years as far as i can tell and it doesn't mean that the performances and the goals might not come you know they might do maybe maybe they will but he does doesn't want to be a Manchester United player that's pretty much the same for me as a, a fan turning around to me at a game and saying I don't want to be a United play, uh, fan anymore well man, all right there are many other options mate <laughs> <laughs> but part of me also enjoys the fact that United are standing strong on this one and now I'm off frequently and uh, I, this is pointed out to me quite often I'm, I'm uh, pretty critical of the club I just kind of call it as I see it I suppose but on this occasion I, I think if you decide that you will not strengthen a rival and that you will not give in to player power quote unquote then they're taking a very strong and firm hand and I've got to applaud them for that you know I, I wouldn't feel that sorry at all to see Wayne Rooney on the bench I think uh, Wayne Rooney the prima donna needs to needs to come down to planet earth uh, I think on this occasion yeah, he, he is no longer the star at United get over it mate yeah I mean I, the whole subject of Rooney's career at United is fascinating it would make a really fascinating kind of long form analysis I think because the incredible intense promise of his early years then the long period of of tactically suffering from Ronaldo's excellence basically so that whole four four forwards period for United Rooney spent so much of that not playing up front and I I think that must have been you know he has been sacrificed his best position he's not spent his career in his best position by any stretch of the imagination at United but the flip side of that is he hasn't given the best of himself by all accounts you know I I don't know this personally and maybe it's all completely not true but the general gist of it is that he smokes he drinks too much he doesn't look after himself physically in the way that the very top level professionals have to I mean there, there was all that talk of him coming back in the best shape for five years that's very good why was he in such poor shape for the previous five years you know I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna get fit because I've got to move to Chelsea coming up 
say i yeah look, i have no i've got to say i have little little or no sympathy for most footballers when they're desperate for a move you know talks of being a slave and all of that i just think it's nonsense you know they earn such wonderful astronomical salaries and uh, have such privileged lives that and, and you think about uh, you know the average fan and these worlds are so far apart that uh, it's hard to feel any sympathy but for wayne rooney absolutely none at all i mean He's won absolutely everything at United. They have given him a platform for his undoubted talents uh, and it's been fulfilled in spades. Uh, he's paid the best wage in Britain, basically, uh, and he, he's still unhappy. There was a piece from Private Eye doing the rounds and it basically said, extremely rich man is very unhappy in job, wants to move elsewhere. Well, quite. None of it's ever black and white, is it? It's not as simple as, like, United, good, Rooney, bad, you know. It's just that Rooney hasn't done himself any favours in terms of public perception. Ah, I mean, ultimately, you said, you know, it's quite good to see the club standing firm, and, and I agree, but let's let's have a bit of a conversation moving away from the personality of it. Assuming we do keep him, what, what does that mean for the season? I mean, the potential disruptive influence on the dressing room is unquestionably there. But also, keeping Rooney, whilst... As you said last week, there's a big quality gap if we lose him. There's all sorts of tactical issues created by the fact that Wayne Rooney stays at the club, right? What what becomes then of Kagawa and Javier Hernandez in particular? I'm not sure. I mean, it, it's the same statement as last season, isn't it? Three into two don't go. So Kagawa and Rooney and Van Persie don't play on the same side without at least one of them compromising their position. And, and I guess if Rooney is going to start, uh, Kagawa at best starts from the left. And that's uh, not very good for him, really. You know, it was interesting, a lot of positivity about the thought of Wayne Rooney going this summer because, and, and one of the ma- major reasons was that we'd get to see Kigara and at number 10 playing in his proper position, which he really hasn't done very much, has he? And and that would be nice. And, and some more game time for Chicharito, perhaps. We still don't know exactly how Moyes will set up tactically, uh, do we? I mean, traditionally he's played with one, he played with two at the weekend, so uh, strikers that is, uh, that that also impacts on Kagawa. Will Wayne Rooney get a spot ahead of Van Persie? Not a chance, you know, so he's playing in a slightly deeper position, the position he did for most of last year, and wasn't awfully good a lot of the time, you know, and, and still put up decent numbers, but uh, the performances weren't there, and, and nothing really about this preseason tells us that the performances are going to come no well absolutely because we just haven't seen him I mean but you know I, I would have loved it if he'd gone frankly uh, just just for the newness I, I think that I think it's extremely sensible of the club not to sell him to Chelsea because I, I think he I, I think that would be putting a pretty dangerous weapon in their hands at a time when we really don't need to be doing that and you know the club don't need the money from the transfer that's the other thing you know we make uh, rightly take the mickey constantly out of United's relentless commercialization but it does mean that the club's on pretty secure financial footing at the moment so it's not like they can't afford to let Wayne Rooney run out his contract and then leave for free well yes they could do and that's basically what Ed Woodward said of course there is 356 million pounds worth of debt still on the book you know just just uh, yeah, a of course. piffling amount really I often find that amount down my sofa at rant towers gold covered rant towers with virgins bathing me in milk they're covering those costs commercially aren't they I mean that is what they're doing and it's it's kind of incredibly unpleasant to watch and it does mean that we're not as competitive in the transfer market as we should be but you know the, the, the finances are not going to determine what happens with Wayne Rooney are they uh, United can afford to, to lose Rooney of course they can and uh, afford to not take the fee but um, I think if they were going to take a fee they'd look for the biggest fee possible obviously you know, I know I'm stating the obvious there so 
I think the key thing, as you said, is not strengthening a rival. And if they made that stand, that's a very sensible and good one. They're, they're not about to become Arsenal. And, uh, I, you know, I like that. Yeah. At least that shows a level of ambition, I suppose. You know, it's a, n- not the kind of level of ambition I'm looking for. I'm more on the Wayne Rooney October 2010 level of ambition of uh, buying some world-class <laughs> midfielders. Thank you very much. Are we going to sign anyone, Ed? Please reassure me. Tell me it's all going to be all right. Surely we are going to buy a midfielder sometime soon no I'm afraid this is speculation. Uh, I think that uh, Fellaini is about plan Z. So they'll drag that one out until the very, very last day while they look at other options. Because if he was the one that they really wanted, the deal would have been done by now. I mean, this is this is the thing about Fellaini. Like, you said pretty definitively last week on, on the podcast that, that he's just not the player that United need. And that David Moyes has worked with him for how long? How long has he been there? Four years? Six years, Something, yeah. Six years, right? A long time they've worked together and so he knows his game inside out and if he thought that he was the right fit for United and there was no question about it and he was the best option available this would have been long done because all the relationships exist financial side wouldn't have been a problem clause in the contract the whole works the whole thing just says yep Fellaini's a decent player he'll definitely improve the quality of United's squad but there is no way that his signing elevates them to a new level yeah it, it doesn't. I mean, it'd be squad filler, which look, has its place. Yeah, we need him. We need it. We need a, a midfielder. Yeah, sure. I suppose I'd feel a lot better about Fellaini if a world class passing midfielder also came into the squad because uh, Fellaini is certainly not that. But anyway, look. One signing that it looks like United will make this week is the aforementioned Janazai, who um, they're apparently close to signing a new contract with him. He's, he's actually out of contract this time next year, which brings up the spectre of Paul Pogba and all of that, which should haunt everyone at United, given uh, his progress since he moved to Juventus. Yeah, and I am properly overexcited about Yanazai. There's there's no question in my mind that I've lost a run of myself when it comes to that lad. He looks incredible to me, and I, I'm prepared to have my heart broken and be disappointed if he kind of turns out to not be really at the top level. But you were talking about that Ronaldo debut the last week on the show, the, the Ronaldo debut against Bolton, and, and Yanazai's not at that level yet, but I had some of them same feelings watching him a couple of times in the last week uh, step up to the first team kid looks like he's got it all to me the, the silky first touch and the, the way he kind of glides across the ground and his ability to pick out a pass or a cross or beat a man is uh, it's actually he's close to the Mesut Ozil in style isn't he given that we just talked about him earlier uh, not necessarily in playing position but you know I, I suspect uh, Janazai will grow into a player who can play in any of the kind of forward positions and he'll be a, a utility forward and a very talented one at that of course there's a big big way from having bags of talent and fulfilling it. it it still is a long road for him i'd say absolutely no no question and i wasn't talking about comparisons as a type of player just just in terms of that yeah feeling of that kind of slight feeling of electricity around a player coming through from from a young age and and mm, very young age you know he's he's uh, what 17 and or 18 and he looks about 12 he does oh, um, what year was he born do you know he was born in February 95. He'll be, he'll be 19 in the winter. It, worth pointing out then that born after Manchester United signed Eric Cantona, which is my kind of definition of whether someone is a child or not. You know, it's like... It's good job Paul Scott's retired because he made his United debut before that. <laughs> yes. And Ryan Giggs certainly did. Yeah. Ryan Giggs could be his dad. Uh, and I mean that quite literally. <laughs> Ryan Giggs is his dad, let's face it. 
Yeah, so uh, so yeah. Anyway, lovely to see young players coming through at United, and then there's a few more knocking about the place. And it is it's been a while since we got over well since I got overexcited about United young players. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in with both feet and and be prepared to have my heart broken by the inevitable passage of time or tweaking of a hamstring or whatever it is that that happens to stop him fulfilling that potential. But hopefully that won't happen, and we'll see him become a United great and be talking about him in the same breath as Ryan Giggs in 50 years time or whatever it would take. Well, we'll see. It may or may not happen. A few other young players uh, made an impact this week. Michael Keane, Jesse Lingard and Tom Thorpe all played for England under-21s. England under-21s beat their Scottish counterparts 6-0 on Tuesday and that was uh, positive for all of them. Keane played the whole game. Lingard came on as a late substitute. He was, uh, that was his debut for England under-21s and you can't say he hasn't deserved that after the pre-season he's had with the United and Tom Thorpe was a, a very, very late uh, substitute um, in defence as well but you know three players who are very talented there as you mentioned uh, yeah and Jesse Lingard apparently gaining a lot of plaudits from his performance in that game as well so that's that's lovely to see and talking of United related youngsters in England Roy Hodgson saying this week that uh, Ravel Morrison's performances in pre-season had put him very much on the England radar again which that's I'm I'm really happy for him uh, you know really tore it up in Birmingham last season and I, I don't mean causing problems in the city <laughs> um, I mean you know was excellent on the pitch and seems to have got his head together to a certain extent so that's uh, that's really nice to see and good luck to him for this season at West Ham hope he makes an impact in the Premier League yeah, I heard lots of good things about him uh, in, in pre-season. So, yeah, lots and lots of positive noises. Maybe he's got his act together. Yeah, that would be great. He really needed to. I guess, you know, hindsight gives us some uh, some clarity, doesn't it? And uh, he definitely needs to get out of United much as much as United needed him to get out of the club. And maybe it's a positive move for him. Shame, isn't it? You know, if he fulfills that talent because there's so much of it there. And a shame that he couldn't do that old Trafford just circumstance. Uh, but, yeah, good luck to him. Let's, uh, let's hope he has matured in some way it really didn't look like that would ever happen but yeah I mean leaving Manchester not not so much obviously the club but Manchester the city where he had lots of pretty problematic connections but there's no trouble to be had in East London of course <laughs> no none whatsoever so, so um, international football I mean since we we made something of a segue there there quite a few other United players uh, featured this week Patrice Evra back for France have a hate hate love relationship with Patrice Evra don't they over there and uh, obviously the the six United players in the England squad would have been seven bar for Michael Carrick's um, early departure some weird injury Shinji Kagawa scored for Japan against uh, Uruguay Uruguay to you and me and Johnny Evans played against Russia boo who were very mean to Northern Ireland this week what happened well, uh, Fabio Cabello, new Russian manager, said, I'm not going to bother replacing an injured player. I'm only, we're only playing Northern Ireland. <laughs> it's pretty extraordinary, isn't it? Uh, there's plenty of other reasons for booing Russia at the moment. Uh, international world-class sport appears to be a pretty revelatory bastion of homophobia at the moment, given the World Cup going to Qatar and the Olympics going to Russia. Un- unpleasant scenes all round, I think we can agree. We can. Talking to Patrice Ever and his relationship with France, it's like the sort of opposite of Rooney and United, isn't it? Like, Rooney obviously cares a lot more about playing for England than he does about playing for United. Patrice Ever is a proper old-fashioned club-over-country chap, isn't he? 
The dynamic of Rooney and uh, him posting on Facebook the other day saying it's great to see the faith shown in him by Roy Hodgson. Yeah, everyone saw that as a dig uh, at Moyes. I'm not sure it was, but uh, still, you know, it, it seems that England's his primary thing. And, and Patrice Evra, you know, he's he's never really been au fait, has he, with the uh, Le Bleu and uh, led the revolution, or at least partly led the revolution at 2010 World Cup. And, and the, the public hate him. You know, he got booed at some France games and... and uh, he, he never feels like he's entirely and totally committed, but they keep picking him, you know? They keep picking him. He's so good, though. He's so brilliant, Patrice Ever. I just, I think he's really underrated because he had a bit of a dodgy, maybe, what, season and a half, maybe? At a period of time when, like, he played five seasons in a row all summer long and it plays every game for United and then had that revolution and all that stuff and it kind of affected him, I think. But, but yeah, it's, he's just a, on form. He's a wonderful player. You mentioned earlier about Baines's contribution to the attack and Nick at Man United Youth made a brilliant point on the Red Mancunian podcast that people sort of assume that if Baines came to United that would automatically juxtapose that level of assists but actually he would probably be much closer to Patrice Evra's level of attacking contribution because there are so many other players who provide attacking contributions at United in a way there aren't at Everton so it's just much less likely to tactically come from the left back. Yes not the only attacking conduit right? Yeah, absolutely. No, very true. And, and actually, Patrick's ever put up very good numbers last season. So if uh, I did a, a blog post at the end of last season, if you go and uh, find that on the, on the website, you'll see I, I put up some of the numbers about Patrick's ever and his improvement over the course of the season, you know. And uh, as I said, he had a, he had a fine campaign. You know, th- there were the mistakes that uh, most defenders do make some. And, and uh, that's that Patrick's ever throughout his career has made the odd mistake, positional mistakes. It's almost always positional mistakes with ever. And that's because he bombs forward. United tend to leave 2v2 central defence versus attacking defence and, and didn't quite have it right in uh, in midfield for much of the first half of last season you know corrected it after after the winter and, and Patrice Evra also had a very good second half of last season right? you know and it, it, none of that is, is by accident uh, uh, Ferguson spotted a problem fixed it it made United somewhat boring to watch but actually solved the leaky defence We'll see this season because, of course, there will be an evolution and it's been a bit difficult in pre-season with United and, and shipping goals. So the goalkeeper's changed quite a bit. All the defenders have changed quite a bit. You do tend to get this in pre-season. And then Ever has kind of shared the jersey with Alex Butner, who's uh, never going to be good enough for United, but he's still at the club. Absolutely. Abby's at the club because him and Robin Havasi are best mates, I think. That or something to do with the fact that Man United have now got an Instagram account and they need Butner to show him how to use it, which means that inevitably it will essentially just be pictures of Alex Butner's tattoos because uh, that's that's what's going down on Butner's Instagram. Yeah, I, you see, look, if we're going to use Instagram, we need to tell some of the players, stop adding stupid filters. You know, Zaha does this all the time. All the time. Mate, you're not purple, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Zaha's big into the ready brick filter, isn't he? The kind of that's a that's a reference that he himself would not get one for the older listeners. There, you know, he's, he's always got the glowing edges thing going on. He has indeed. Uh, talking of social media, uh, tell me what this means because I, I didn't quite understand it. Uh, this is Rio Ferdinand on Twitter. He said he just wanted to thank all the fans who showed their support uh, and his testimony. Fine, I understood that one. Still a wobbly god tosser, isn't he? But you know, hey. No, he's fine. He's a nice chap, isn't he? <laughs> I'm kidding. And, and he said, uh, shame about the result, but we dusted ourselves down and had a trophy to win, win at Wembley against Wigan and Robin Van Persie, a.k.a. RVP, a.k.a. Robin Van Pizzle, got two goals. <laughs> you're, not, you're not familiar with the work of Snoop Doggy Dog, Ben Ed. Oh, sorry, Snoop Lion. 
So you know, you know what the hizzle is, right? So the the hizzle is in the house. If you're in the hizzle, that means you're in the house. If you're the rizzle dizzle, that means you're the real deal. That's is uh, Robin Van Pizzle. These young people that don't stand them at all. <laughs> I, I did notice that Rio, uh, despite his ban on wearing anything to do with his Hash 5 brand, wore the 5 cap frequently all week and during some interviews as well. Yeah, the pre-season, the pre-match interview with, with BT Spot, oh my goodness, that testimonial was pretty significant because it marked that, you know, testimonials often have uh, ex-United players coming back to play for the club again. This didn't have that. This had Owen Hargreaves coming back to commentate on the club. At one point, Owen Hargreaves said, every player that plays for Manchester United has a love affair with the club. I was like, wow, that was a love affair that ended, kind of started with a kind of burning, passionate intensity and then just sort of slowly drifted over time, ending in bitterness and recriminations. Isn't it always the way? Yeah, mate. And, and then they find that the love of their life has gone. And uh, I think maybe Owen Hargreaves has come to realise that, as Rude Van Nistelrooy did before him. And Yapstam. And David Beckham. And Paul... No, not Paul Ince. No! Did, did he ever have... Yeah, I mean, he did, didn't he? I, d- I don't think he's ever reconciled his bitterness. <laughs> no. Oh, poor old Paul Ince, eh? No, no. That's, a, that's probably a thing that no one's ever said, right? Uh, and nor should they now there is actual real actual football coming up they you know a real game that means something and there are points and whatnot on the table United go to the Liberty Stadium for the first Premier League game of the season I think this is like a half five kickoff on Saturday something like that I'm looking forward to it an actual real competitive game I mean, couldn't be more exciting, could it? We've had we've had all the warm up. We had the almost proper proper adjacent football match in the Community Shield, and now the actual real business of trying to defend the league wins. The league begins. Robin van Persie asked about United's chances and why they were third favourites in a post match interview. Sort of laughed, looked vaguely offended, and said, "You do know we're champions, right?" He obviously has no no qualms about the fact that United will be competing for the the big trophy this season, and and I'm pretty sure they will be up there till pretty late on in the season at worst and it all starts with an incredibly tough run of fixtures after Swansea away Chelsea and I think it's it goes Chelsea Liverpool Crystal Palace Man City oh, I might have that slightly wrong but it's it's there or thereabouts and it's a very tough run of fixtures starting with a really difficult one Swansea strengthened over the summer signing John Joe Shelby which uh, you know we all make fun of John Joe Shelby because Liverpool fans treated him like the second coming and he was heavily featured in the laughable documentary being Liverpool but he's not a bad player and and uh, a good signing for Swansea and a very very promising player up front in in Boney who will take some of the goal scoring pressure off Michu if all goes well yeah, I mean, 46 and 65 for Vitesse, Boney. He, he knows how to find the back of the net. Mind you, that is in Holland, and we all know that goals in Holland don't count the same. No, well, they, they do if you're Ruud van Nistelrooy, but not if you're uh, Matthijs Kesman. Yeah, well, quite. Uh, so, look, he's he's, uh, he's a good signing for Swansea, I think. Uh, he's uh, he's kind of physical lad. He scores goals. He's uh, plenty of movement. I haven't seen him loads, but I've seen him a, a few times. I've seen him, I've probably seen him for Cote d'Ivoire more than, more than Vitesse. Uh, very, very rare occasions I ever watch Dutch football, normally when I'm having a period of insomnia and feel like watching ESPN at three in the morning. Talking of which, just just as a sidetrack, um, I, I have a, a cable service at home sponsored by the brand what Richard Branson owns and all that, and they no longer carry ESPN, so I, I can't get the uh, Premier League football. But I don't get BT Sport either. Where's my discount, Virgin? You're still start charging me the same amount. 
ESPN doesn't exist anymore in England, right? It's just stopped broadcasting, hasn't it? It's just stopped broadcasting, yeah. Um, yeah. It, there's a there's a great uh, on-screen... Uh, sorry, ESPN has shut down, but you can still get your sport fix with Eurosport and Sky Sports News. Hooray! Hooray! That's very good if you like cycling or football with commentary blatantly recorded afterwards in the studio. Yeah, the the, the Swansea game. Uh, I mean, Loudrup stayed at Swansea. That's that's a really big deal for them potentially, and they've they've really potentially got a platform to to build on there. And obviously, we all know that they play very nice football. And in Michu, they had the star signing of last season that wasn't called Robin. And you know, it's it's exciting times if you're a Swansea fan. And United have not found it plain sailing since uh, the Swans came up, have they? No, no, absolutely. I mean, um, tough, tough away fixture there last season for sure. Uh, interesting tactical shift though. I think uh, with Boney coming in, Mitchell will probably play a lot deeper. You know, in, more in the position that he played in in Spain, which will be interesting because, of course, he scored an awful lot of goals playing as effectively a number nine for Swansea last season. Yeah, also scored a lot of goals in Spain playing deeper though, didn't he? So you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lad knows how to find the back of the net. As I said, I think it's a good signing for Swansea. Yeah, I think they'll consolidate fine. You know, I, I don't know where they'll finish. Somewhere between sort of seventh and twelfth is my guess. But uh, I suppose I ought to do my proper predictions for the season, hadn't I? Uh, we briefly touched on that last season, but uh, I think they'll be absolutely perfectly safe. Uh, they they play good football. Loudrup, uh, you know, maybe maybe got them playing a little more direct from back to front you know I don't mean direct direct but a little quicker from from the back to front than uh, they had done previously but you know they, they're still a fine footballing side yeah absolutely um and uh I mean it's going to be really really interesting to see how Moyes lines up so this is this is our first opportunity to look silly of the season no, no doubt not not even close to our last but how do you think that United are going to line up against Swansea what do you think the personnel will be will there be a place in the side for Rooney what's the likelihood of Zahar being in the starting lineup do you think Yanazai will get a place on the bench yeah all good questions so I can't see Rooney starting he's just not fit enough uh, you know and uh, I, <laughs> I really wouldn't be that surprised if he picked up another mystery injury and a bit of a tight hamstring after the, the England game and all that uh, between now and the weekend and suddenly wasn't in the squad but uh, let's assume he's totally fit. He may make the bench. He's had very little preseason football, so I wouldn't expect him to start. I would expect that uh, United will start with a pretty familiar looking bat four. No reason to think that De Gea and Vidic and Ferdinand and Evra and one of Jones and Fabio or Smalling will start a right back. And then through midfield, looks like he's, he's going to start with a basic 4 4 2. We'll see about that one. And you'd expect uh, Valencia to start. And we'll see on the the left you know Zaha maybe you'll get a chance and, and cleverly will start with Carrick through the middle and, and Van Persie and, and I guess Welbeck as well you know and you'd expect it to be something like that I'm not at all sure that I think that Valencia is, is going to start ahead of Zaha on the right I mean Zaha definitely seems to be a, a right winger rather than a left winger doesn't he and and so you know I think there's genuine competition for place there Zaha started in the community shield which is pretty significant and and yeah the, the left side then if you do play very 4-4-2-y I mean so far he's just picked gigs hasn't he you know that's that's yeah been the way he's done it and eventually that's going to stop working because Giggs will run out of steam and you will have to rotate him a bit more aggressively I mean Giggs has played an awful lot of football in pre-season he really has yes and, and of course he, he could well start in Swansea I, I suppose the experience is useful first game of the season and all, all of that yeah maybe and, uh, and no he's not quite fit is he and uh, neither is Ashley Young picked up another injury by the sounds of it just he spends more time in the treatment table than uh, he does on the pitch and he spends very little time on the pitch doing anything of any use 
Yeah, I mean, there's the central midfield. Berth is obviously a huge question mark. I mean, if Carrick recovers from his eye injury, which, not eye injury, but his, his eye infection, he did look pretty rough in some of those post-match photographs. His eyes the size of a... He had bad pink eye, basically. So hopefully he'll be recovered in, in time to play, because otherwise we're really in trouble. <laughs> Well, Anderson and Cleverly will start, which I suppose, you know, two years ago, they had a, a very good partnership for a while there, didn't they? Anderson, who uh, came around, ran around, came on, ran around like a bit of a headless chicken, uh, played a good couple of simple passes, whacked one outrageous ball about 50 yards of the outside of his foot, and then promptly found the opposition for the rest of the match. So uh, that is Anderson all over. I'm just expecting him to have a couple of good games so everyone can get excited and, uh, and then get injured again. Yeah, it's, it's coming, uh, and it could start against Swansea because, you know, Anderson didn't play in the Community Shield, played in Rio's testimonial instead. Obviously, a bit of second billing there. But you'd imagine he'll be fresher than cleverly he's played for England, and uh, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised by a Carrick-Anderson central midfield pairing at all. Exciting stuff. <laughs> yeah, oh God, please, please let us sign a central midfielder. Please let us sign a central midfielder. We just need one so much, Ed. Uh, do, who do you have to suck off these days to get a central midfielder? <laughs> Luka Modric? No. Well, you know, it's tempting, I've got to say. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll let you take the honour with that one. No, no, no. Uh, please don't ask us rank cast questions. Look, look, let's just cut this whole bit out of the show. At Sir Cones says, Will Adnan pinch my cheeks, Yanazai, make the bench on Saturday? I think he's got a very good chance of making the bench. I don't know. It might be after his bedtime. It's half five, isn't it, the kickoff? <laughs> That's true. At Alex Chase 83 says, what does Ed have negative to say about Jeffrey Condogbia as a potential midfield signing? I don't know him really well. I mean, he's got a very cheap release cause and, and uh, he's rated quite highly. I mean, I don't have a very strong opinion either way. Okay, well, there you go. That was that was pretty not not negative, wasn't it? This is this one I'm sure you can't answer, Ed. But at Jonas Holmes twenty one says, do you think RVP played Paragon or Renegade when playing Mass Effect? Unquestionably Paragon. Look at his face. How could he do anything others? Just credit to at cramping both legs for the question about style or steel. At JJ Carley says, scenario, David Moyes signs no one but does a 95 and goes with youth for the upcoming season. Happy question mark? The personnel isn't there. This is the thing. In, in, in 95, you had players that could play in all the positions where he got rid of players. But we don't have central midfielders coming through. There's no one in that crop of young players who's Paul Scholes or Nicky Butt or even David Beckham in terms of players that could play central midfield. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's nowhere near. And uh, look, we, we got excited about Lingard and, and Genesai this summer fair enough they've merited that excitement on their performances but you know I think they've just got a little uh, just a bit more to go before they can have that kind of impact when the the group of the class of 92 came through they were so ready and they were so good you know and Ferguson really trusted them and it's a different world now it's really difficult for Moyes to do that Uh, he might be forced to of course if United don't actually get anyone but that would be very embarrassing I know I keep playing the cynic here but my god how embarrassing would it be for United after playing the big I am all summer and saying they've got a shed load of cash to spend and then coming up you know empty-handed so we'll we'll see i would be really surprised if he starts throwing in three or four young players in a game yeah i mean at, at, at we some underscore says who could be a surprise favorite starter under Moyes this season and i've already kind of laid my yanazai cards firmly on the table i'm not claiming to be entirely rational about that one but i i wouldn't be completely shocked if he actually becomes a first team fixture although being a kind of inside forward there is a lot of competition for for place in 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 that particular position and he's definitely been involved in pre-season a lot more because kagawa and rooney have not so um 
Yeah, I'd, I'd look to the fringes more for the surprises, right? So, and I don't know whether you'd call them surprises. So, uh, I, I don't think Genzai is going to start a load of games this season. I don't think Zaha will start a load of games this season. I'm pretty sure that Lingard won't either. You know, let's be rational about this. But the surprise could be Fabio could force his way into the side. Got all the talent and it just depends on whether he can apply it or not and keep fit. And so could Smalling, you know, and I'm not sure that's really a surprise, but he's certainly the Moyes type player, I think. And I think he could force his way into the side on a permanent basis too. Are either of those surprises? I don't know, but you know, it would uh, it'd be a change, I suppose. Another another piece of news, I suppose, reported this week that Nani is now prepared to sign a contract at United after United spent much of the last year trying to sell him. I'm sure we talked about this before. It's like, oh, that's very nice, Nani, dear. We're not necessarily prepared to offer you one. Before we move off Twitter questions, I, all the love in my heart to at bifurcated underscore MUFC, who got a bunch of Rankcast listeners together to make a lip dub of the Calypso. I am just so incredibly grateful to Mbets, Kononov, Liz Worsley, White Pele 10, Red Zeppelin 7, Don McDowell, Maz underscore man underscore United and at Awate91 for uh, all getting together and making that brought a wee tear to the eye so it did. Uh, couldn't believe that listeners would be so kind as to take all that time out of, of, of their lives to put something so kind of sweet together for, for us. And it, it, Amazing stuff. Yeah, made, made, I think made both of us feel very appreciated so thank you very much. It, it certainly did. And next, send your knickers in. No, no, don't. Oh, no, you do this every time. Every Every time they do something nice, you start demanding underwear. Hey, got to get my fix somehow. <laughs> um, yes. So, yeah, anyway, that, that was super cool. I guess we, talking of fix, we need to use our inside information about the max fixing to predict the score. Before we predict the score, Ed, you said that the right back would be Fabio Smalling or Jones. What's your sort of gut instinct? I think he'll go with Jones. That's the gut. Okay. I'd like him to go with Fabio because uh, I want Jones to start competing for the pace at uh, centre-back. And I think Fabio's got tons of talent. He's got as much talent as his brother. He just needs to get the game time to prove it. I'd kind of like him to start with Fabio at right back and Jones in central defence. That's what I'd really like to see. Jones partnered with either Rio or Vidic. Uh, yeah. With Fabio on the right. And, and no reason why that can't happen. It's a good shout. And a prediction for the score? Oh, you know, this is this is the this. I mean, it's always tricky to predict score lines. It's a kind of ridiculous exercise, but we insist on doing it every week. And this one feels extremely difficult because there's there there is barely a result that would be surprising unless there's a sort of astronomical score line. You could easily see Swansea winning, United winning, a draw. All that seems very likely. So I'm going to slightly go with heart overhead and say two one to United. Well, I wouldn't go with anything to do with heart. Showed his world class credentials again for England. <laughs> Bless him. Bless him and his little flappy hands. Oh, it's quite satisfying, I think, isn't it? How the hair's grown and heart has been rubbish for a good 12 months. Not so much the heart being rubbish bit, but yeah, I will always love the fact that the hair is getting better and better. And it, it does give a nice little side side note to the sweetness of that, doesn't it? It certainly does. Anyway, I digress uh, because I, I don't know what the score will be. And so I'm trying to put off the hard decision to sit on the fence and say it'll be two all. I mean, actually, a draw is a pretty terrible result for United, I think, given given the fixtures that are upcoming. I, I actually think it's one of the most important opening day fixtures we've had for a long time because out of the five, those five first fixtures, this is definitely the second easiest and it's still pretty difficult. I think ordinarily you would say that get off to a slow start. Last season, we obviously were terrible at Goodison Park with an injury rack central defence and we, we lost that game and went on to win the title. But I think narratively, 
it's a pretty crucial result for for Moyes because you you start to build a positive momentum ahead of the really tough fixtures ahead. I, I do think it's unusually important for an opening fixture. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's a, that's a sound analysis. Uh, it's, a, it's a really, really tough six weeks coming up. I think you could set the tone for that period of time with a, a good victory. I think it'll be tough United, though. I mean, have been leaking goals, you know, players injured, haven't quite found the rhythm yet. So um, Swansea, very good at home. I Yeah, draw sounds about right to me. I'd love to be wrong, of course. I'd love for United going to spank them for six and, and start the season in fantastic fashion. Yeah, absolutely. And throughout that six weeks and the season beyond, we'll be here to cover the ins and outs and ups and downs of United's campaign all throughout the season as we deal with the the settling in of New Dad and the ins and outs of transfers and the Wayne Rooney saga and all the different malarkey that's going to happen across the course of the season. And we'll be here with you every step of the way. So uh, from me and Ed this week, uh, thank you very much for all your lovely questions and feedback. And we'll be back same time next week. See you soon.